0: listening to New Life Before. We pray that this message encourages you and helps you stay Jesus focused.
1: From death to life. Now, uh, I will start with um, with this sentence. I will start with this, that our salvation and our acceptance in Christ is twofold. Understand that. Our salvation, our acceptance in Christ is twofold. It is the removal of our sins. Amen? That is forgiveness, but it doesn't stop there. It is also the impartation of God's life, which is our righteousness. Did you get that? That is so important to know about our salvation. It is twofold. It is the removal of our sins which is the forgiveness of God, but it is also the impartation of his life, which is also the impartation of his righteousness. Amen? So the finished work of the cross, when we talk about the finished work of Jesus Christ, it includes both the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. Understood? The death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. That's why I love communion. Because it is a proclamation of the death of Christ, right? It is. And I also love tithing. You know why? Because the Bible in the New Testament says, when we give to the Lord, we testify that he lives. So it's both the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So if we are to walk in the fullness of our salvation, then we need to understand what his death meant. And we need to also understand what his resurrection meant so we live out the fullness of our salvation. Are you ready? So let's go first to the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, which we proclaimed when we took communion. What does the death of Jesus mean for us? Let's go to Hebrews 9, 28 in the Message Bible. Hebrews 9, 28, the Message Bible. Again, I am going to be teaching line upon line, you know, uh, not every verse in the Bible, obviously, but verses that will establish you in what Jesus Christ did for you. Hebrews 9, 28 message says, Christ's death was also a one-time event. Guess what? He's never going to go to the cross again. It is finished. It is done. But it was a sacrifice. His death was a sacrifice that took care of sins. When? Forever. Forever includes the past, the present, and the? future. Definitely. He took care of sins forever. That's why it was a one-time event. If he did not take care of your future sins, that means he would have had to come to die again every five years, maybe, or every three. All right? But no, the Bible said it was a one-time event that took care of our sins forever. And so when he next appears, the outcome for those eager to greet him is precisely salvation. So very clear, what did the death of Jesus Christ mean for us? It meant that our sins are taken care of forever. He took care of the sin issue. I'm here to tell you there is no more sin issue between you and God. Taken care of forever, Hebrews 10, 12 to 18. But our high priest, and that is Jesus, offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for... Again, you need to understand that. Forever and good for all time. Single sacrifice. Then he sat down. Why did he sit down? Because it's finished. At the place of honor at God's right hand. And there he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. So you are forever by that one offering made perfect. Amen? Verse 15, and the Holy Spirit also testifies that this is so. The Holy Spirit confirms this death that took away sins forever. For he says, and quoting from the old covenant, which the new covenant is a fulfillment of, for in the For this is the new covenant that I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts. I will write them on their minds. Then he says, I will never again, never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. Amen. So I want you to see that what the death of Jesus Christ did. It took out The sin issue forever. He dealt with that forever. Why did he do that? Because a Christian will never mature and experience all that Christ has prepared for him to experience through his life if we are held in bondage and guilt over our past sins. He knows that if we are still thinking of the past, if we are still guilty, how many of you know you can never move forward Until you rest in the finality of the cross, you cannot experience the reality of the resurrection. So we need to understand that his sacrifice is final. It is done. It is finished. And a failure to not know that, a failure to not know that the sin issue between you and God is over will stop your growth. Why? Because every time you move forward, the enemy will say, well, how dare you move forward? You don't deserve that. Remember what you did the last time? And you go, oh, yeah, right. How can I deserve that because of what I've done? But God is saying, no, 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 that is a lie from the enemy. Remember, a lie puts you in bondage, but freedom sets you free. And so if you understand that, no, I might have done that in the past, but the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed me from all my sin. He loves me. He has no anger left for me. Then you are free now to walk out in all that God has for you. Amen. Amen. So if we are preoccupied by guilty feelings over the past, then guess what? It will hold you back. So the solution is an understanding and at total trust. This is where faith comes in because every day you don't feel like you're forgiven, right? Every day you don't feel like you're righteous. Sometimes you don't feel righteous. It's not every day that you feel righteous. And that's why faith comes in. We need to trust that God said, no, it's all right. It's not about your feelings. It's not about your performance. It's about what Jesus did on the cross for you. You are righteous forever, Amen. And that's why it takes a total trust in the fact that Jesus did it all on the cross for us. And the sin issue between man and God is totally over. Totally over. And I'll give you verses in Romans 5, 8 to 9. Look at this. Romans 5, 8 to 9. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then verse 9 says, much more than having now been justified by his blood we shall be saved from wrath through him what does that mean god's not angry with you anymore there is no anger left for you only love and goodness and favor why if if while we were sinners if while we were at our worst christ died for us how much more now that we are in him shall we be saved from his anger come on now the bible i love the bible i love How it declares our freedom in Christ, Ephesians 1 7. And the New King James says, In Him, in Christ, we have, say, have. Have is present tense. We have it right now. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. So we have, right now, forgiveness now is a present reality. Guess what? You are forgiven already. And when you understand that it is your present reality, it enables you to concentrate on living out the good life that God has prepared for you. Amen? See, if you owed someone money, let's just say I owe 100,000 pesos to Katie. Let's just say I borrowed 100,000 pesos. Then I promised to pay her in a week. And then I didn't because I can't. Something happened. Let's just say. How do you think I'm going to react with Katie? How do you think I'm going to see her? Like every time I would see her, I won't go, hey, Katie, how are you? I won't do that knowing that I have a hundred thousand peso debt that I was supposed to pay last week, right? Whenever I see her, I'd go, I'd probably go, hi, Katie, and leave. Or if I see her, I don't want to see her and hide because I have a debt, right? So my relationship, how many of you know my relationship with Katie will be affected, now, she might not need the 100000 because she's so rich and a millionaire, and she probably doesn't really mind, amen, that, you know, she probably in her mind says, if she, if she doesn't pay me, well, whatever. But I don't know that, right? Well, let's just say somebody paid, you know, one million pesos to Katie on my behalf. But I never knew that. How many of you know that I'd still, Right? But Katie's going, hello, hello, your debt is already paid, right? There's nothing between us anymore. It's gone. Somebody paid for it. And guess what? When I understand that and I realize that, now my relationship with Katie is like, hey, Katie, hey, how are you? Hey, you want me to treat you to dinner? What's up, you know? And then I will be forever grateful to the one who paid for it. And so that's what God wants. He wants us to not think about, what happened in the past anymore. It's done. Do not be totally preoccupied with the thing that God is finished dealing with, which is sin. With the result that you have totally neglected what God is trying to do with us today, which is to teach us about life. He wants to teach us to live life. Amen? And yes, we will fall and yes, we will make mistakes. But the difference, if we understand that what his what his death did was forever wipe The sin issue, we can go to God and say, oh, God, whew, that didn't feel right. I, I was wrong. So, God, I just receive your forgiveness today. I receive it because you've dealt with this. So I thank you. I receive it in Jesus' name. And move on. Forget. Amen. Learn the lesson and forget and move on. Amen. God said, I will remember your sins no more. So if God chooses to forget, guess what? Forget it. All right? So God wants us to rest in what he has done through the cross so that we can begin to experience what he has done through the resurrection. Okay, amen? Colossians two thirteen to 14. It says here, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. You see that? The forgiveness of all our sins now you know, uh, enables us now to actually live the life that God gave to us. He said in verse 14, he canceled, oh my goodness, he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Do you see how final this is? Do you see how final our forgiveness is? Do you see how final the finality of the sin issue being taken care of is? Look at Hebrews ten nineteen to 22. I'm just giving you verses, amen? Is it blessing you to know that how God sees you? Look, it says here, and so dear, Hebrews 10, all right? And so dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly say boldly, boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, again, we're talking about what his death means for us. That's why you can go boldly. You, you're not like, oh, is God thinking about my sin in the past. No, don't anymore. Go in by the blood of Jesus boldly, boldly. Now, let me say this. How many of you love this message? Oh, my gosh. But you know what? Um, to many people, the emphasis on total forgiveness, the emphasis on, on the preaching of total forgiveness and Christ living in us is kind of, threatening because they fear this is what a lot of pastors fear and it's changing now because of revelation but they fear preaching this because they think if i preach that their sins are totally forgiven if i preach that you know what their sins past present future then they're gonna run away and sin again and sin and anyway i'm forgiven well he does not realize that somebody who has the life of christ on the inside of him would not want to sin, would not want to go out and sin. I mean, okay, I'm preaching to you right now. Is anybody here like, yes, I can rob a bank after the service? Nobody in their right mind is actually thinking, well, now I can fight with my husband later anyway, and I'm forgiven. Are you even thinking about that? No, I mean, it's like, it's just such good news. Why? Because you have the nature of God that doesn't want to sin. On the inside of you. You have the nature of God that wants to glorify him. Amen? And when and look, when you fall and when you fail, how do you feel? Happy? Oh. Well, that means there's the struggle on the inside of you because that's not who you are. Now, if you're not struggling when you commit sin, then you better go, Oh, why do I like this? <laughs> then we come here and we'll pray for you, all right? So, So, they fear it will lead people to becoming complacent. But that is the exact opposite. Let me tell you a truth here. It is actually the emphasis on the cross and forgiveness of sins to the exclusion. What am I saying? That all you preach is you're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven. God loves you, you're forgiven. But you never tell them about the life of Christ that has been imparted to you if you never teach them that you are now a new nature, if you never teach them that you have something on the inside of you that empowers you to go out and do what God wants you, if you never teach them that, but all you do, you're forgiven. Yes, you're forgiven. Hallelujah. God, you know, God took care of every sin, but you never tell them about the life that's inside of them, then guess what? Yes, of course. It's like, well, good news. I'm forgiven. But it will never give them the power to have a changed life. So it is just that preaching, but you never preach about the new nature and what we have in Christ and the life that we have that makes people complacent because it's like, okay, I'm forgiven. Do you you understand what I'm saying? Like I said, salvation is all about the forgiveness of sins and the impartation of life. You also have to teach people about the life that they now have. Amen, all right? So as long as just one part of the gospel is preached, we are going to be... Uh, producing Christians who are thankful, amen, yes, that they are thankful that they will not be judged for their sins, but with no motivation to go out and change their behavior. If you don't preach the whole thing, you understand what I'm saying? That's why a lot of preachers use the law to keep them in line. Don't do this, don't do that. No, 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 don't use the law. Don't use the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Use the tree of life. Tell them about life, amen, amen. I'll give you a good example. Let's just say a king, all right? Like a king in a kingdom, all right? And this king, generous king, issues a royal pardon, a royal pardon to all prostitutes. And in that kingdom, prostitutes are jailed. They are arrested. You know, they have to live in hiding and all that because it's a criminal offense and all. And let's just say this king now declares... A pardon, all right, for all prostitutes. How many of you know for a prostitute, that's good news? Is it? There's a pardon. What does that mean? You would no longer be in hiding. You would have no criminal offense. And all past offenses would be wiped away from your books. How many of you know that's good news? So, it would be good news. But, would it give a motivation for them for example, to have a changed life? Or would it give them the power to have a changed life? Let's just say a prostitute forgiven. Yay! Okay, that's it. Okay, do they now have the power to have a changed life? Not necessarily, right? Now, let's take this further. Let's say the king gives that presidential pardon. Yay, good news! But not only that, he takes a prostitute and makes her his bride. Marries her, what does the prostitute become? A queen. Now, how many of you know the lifestyle of a queen is far higher than the lifestyle of a prostitute? Now, how many of you know that now because she's a queen, how many of you know that as a queen, she now has the ability to change her lifestyle? Yes? No woman in her right mind would want to go back to prostitution if she's already a queen. Am I right? Because it's so different, right? Amen? So, what am I saying? Just as the king married the prostitute and caused her to be a queen, that caused her to have the empowerment to now live a different life. In the same way, we are married to Jesus. We were sinners, but by identification with him, we became one with him. And so, we were not just forgiven. But life was imparted to us. A new nature was imparted to us. And that new nature does not want to sin, wants to glorify God, and now we have the power to live a new life. Do you see the difference now? Do you see why his death and his resurrection is important? Amen? That's why the, 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 the church is called the bride of Christ. The gospel is actually a marriage proposal that you said yes to. When you said yes to Jesus Christ. It is a marriage proposal and now you're not a sinner anymore. But you are a son. You are a daughter of the Most High God with all the privileges of royalty. Amen. Now, would that make you want to go back to a lifestyle of sin? No. Now you want to live like royalty. Amen. Hallelujah. You will never have a changed life until you experience the exchanged life. I will say that again. You will never have a changed life until you experience the exchanged life. Once you know that there is a different life now on the inside of you, it comes from within. Change now is not from the outside. Change now comes from the heart. It comes from within. That is eating from the tree of life. It is not eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So now, when we understand that the ultimate goal of salvation was the restoration of life, we can now appreciate the, pro- the purpose and the meaning of Jesus' death on the cross. Now, let's go to his resurrection. Is his death all right? Are you, I mean, you already understand why he had to die? All right, now let's go to his resurrection, and then we'll, we'll tie it all up together. How does his resurrection now apply to our everyday lives? Now, what is the most obvious implication of the word resurrection? It means the restoration of life. When something is resurrected, it was once what? Dead, (laughs) all right? And that's why when you say resurrection, it means life is restored. In Romans 5.10 in the Amplified Bible, Romans 5.10 in the Amplified, it says, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, it is much more certain Now that we are reconciled, that's what his death did, that we shall be saved, daily delivered. Say daily. So now this is for your everyday life. Daily delivered from sin's dominion. Through what? Through his resurrection life. So his death reconciled us. His life now causes us to live victoriously. Because there are many people, they're forgiven, they're reconciled, but their lives are not victorious. No, we want to be reconciled and live victoriously over sin and death. Amen? So Jesus said he came to give us life. What kind of person needs life? What kind of person needs life? Somebody who's dead <laughs> needs life. And the Bible says in Ephesians 2.1, and we'll see it in the... I actually said woos translation. Pastor Paul corrected me. It's woos translation but that translation and you being dead being dead you were dead with reference to your trespasses and sins he made what he made alive now if asked what the problem of mankind was let's just say somebody asked you what is the problem of mankind you would say that it is man's sinfulness and need for forgiveness now it's true right that was the problem with mankind right he was sinful and in need of forgiveness. But it goes much deeper than that. It was not just that he was sinful and in need of forgiveness. From God's point of view, man is not just a sinner in need of forgiveness. His greater problem is that he, he's dead and in need of life. That was the problem of man. He was dead. Genesis are you Are you okay with this? I'm going to go through this. All right, Genesis 127. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them, all right? So now, how many of you know there are other uh, life forms that God created, like the animals, right? The plants are also life forms. The animals are also life forms. But what was the difference? Because it says God created man in his image. What was the difference between us and the animals, between us and the plants? The difference was spirit. Man is a three-part being. We are spirit, we have a soul, and what? We live in a body. Now, the other life forms don't have a spirit. You understand? How do I know that? Because it is from the spirit man where questions like, why am I here on earth come from? It is from the spirit man where questions like, what is my purpose comes from, right? A dog will not ask that. Oh you know, no, a dog has, you know, he has feelings, he has emotions, but he definitely is not asking why he's on the earth. I, I have a pet, so I love pets, so I'm not against pets, but, you know, I, I've never heard Winter come up to me for counseling because he didn't know about life, you know. So what is the difference? The difference is because we were made a spirit with a soul, and we live in a body. And you know what the Bible says? In John 4, 24, it says, God is sheer being itself, spirit. Those who worship him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. So as man, we were made a spirit. Man's spirit was created to be united with God's spirit, right? Right? And this is the means through which we have perfect fellowship with God. We fellowship with God through our spirit, amen? And God, you know, the the way he did it was God and man united in spirit. And because they were united in spirit, God now had access to man's soul, his feelings, his decisions, his will. And therefore, if God had access to the soul, well then guess what? He would be able to lead man to lead a good life, right? Because he had because you're united with spirit, therefore, God had access to the soul. And thereby, by your spirit influencing your behavior. Yes? Yes, that's how God, uh, that's how Adam and Eve were created. All right? One in spirit. Now we all know what happened. When Adam ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the Bible says that he died, right? Now he did not die physically. Where did he die? Spiritually. What does that mean? His spirit life was dependent on his relationship with God. It was dependent. It was defined by his dependence as long as he was dependent on God. Well, guess what? Then his spirit was alive. But the minute he ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you know what happened, right? He died. That means he separated himself. God honored their choice, withdrew his life. Now they are dead, right? You understand? So now Adam and Eve, they are spiritually dead. Now, a lot of people would say this. They would say, all men are created in God's image. Okay, let's backtrack for a while. Now, as born-again Christians, of course, we are now in the image and likeness of God, right? Right? But if you say that all men are born in the image and likeness of God, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says that Adam was born in the image and likeness of God, right? Genesis 5, 1 to 3. Now, follow me here. Some of you might be going, "Uh, just follow me here. Genesis 5, 1 to 3 says this. This is the book of the genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God, okay? So Adam was made in the likeness of God, Right? He created them male and female, blessed them, called them mankind in the day they were created. Amen? Now, how many of you know something happened? Ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what happened? They were banished from the garden, and now they're spiritually dead. So Adam now is not alive. He's dead. Okay? You understand that? Verse 3. And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. So now, every son, every woman born of Adam and born of the sons of Adam and born of the grandsons of Adam were now in the likeness of Adam. Understood? See, two spiritually dead parents cannot give their son what they don't have. So what did they pass on? They passed on their nature. Right? Right? And so everyone born was spiritually dead, all right? That's why the virgin birth is so significant. Because Jesus had to be born spiritually alive. Or else he would not have been able to lay down his life. And that's why it had to be a virgin birth. It had to be God. It had to be the Holy Spirit to come upon Mary. So that Jesus, who... You know, and you know pregnancy, we all talked about that. You take the blood of the dad. You don't take the blood of the mom so my kids have their dad's blood, not mine. And in the same way, the DNA of Jesus was all God. Mary was just a vessel. Yes, right? So Jesus was born spiritually alive. He had to or else he couldn't die for us, right? So now, do you understand now that everyone is dead? Now everyone is dead, but we were born with a sin nature. Spiritually dead. So that's why the issue in salvation is life and death. Jesus Christ, spiritually alive, laid down his life for us so that he could give his life to us. Why did we need life? We were dead. You understand? All right. So this is important. The message of God's forgiveness through the cross, all right, relieves our guilt And gives us assurance of where we will go when we die. That was his death. Understand? But it is his resurrection now that causes us to live this life. In victory. In faith. God now totally influencing our behavior. Why? He has access to our soul, our mind, our will and emotions. You understand? Amen. So when we preach the finished work of Jesus, it encompasses his suffering, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. You now understand why life is so life. (laughs) Why we're all about life. Because without life, no life. You see that? Ephesians 2, 4 to 5 in the... I think this is New King James, okay? Ephesians 4, 2-5. But God is so rich in mercy, and He loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when? When He raised Christ from the dead. Resurrection. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Amen. So now do you understand why God had to forgive us all our sins? So now... We're not anymore worried about, is God angry with me? Is God Is God condemning me? No, don't be worried about that anymore. God loves you. He has no anger left for you. There is nothing between you and God anymore. Now go and enjoy life. Go and enjoy what his resurrection gave. Amen. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, this is another illustration of why his death the forgiveness of sins is important as well as life. And this is a wonderful illustration. Let's just say a man dies of cancer. All right? he, he dies of cancer. If you had the power to save the man, then you would have to do two things. right? First, you would have to raise him to life. But not only raise him to life, you would have to cure him of his cancer. You understand? Two things. Why two things? Because if you raised him to life, but did not cure his cancer. What would happen? He would still die. Yay! Why? Because the, the, what what killed him is still there. What caused his death is still there. Now let's just say if you just healed, for example, his cancer, but did not raise him to life, then he'd still be dead. He's healed, but hindi pa bohay. Evolang life. cancer. So how many of you know he had to do two things? He had to raise him to death, uh, raise him to life, and cure his cancer. So that is exactly what God did. God first had to deal with the thing that killed man. What killed man? Sin. How did he deal with it? His death. And then, after he dealt with the disease that killed man, he raised man to life by what? The resurrection. So now, can you see? Why the two have to be preached. The cross is God's method of dealing with the disease called sin. But the resurrection is God's method of giving life to the dead. Woo! That's our salvation. That's why our salvation is complete. No loophole. Amen, 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 amen. So when the Lord Jesus gives us his resurrected life, it can truly be eternal life. Because the, the only thing that ever cost you to die, which is sin, is already taken away. That's why he says eternal life. Because he dealt with what caused the death of man, the spiritual death of man forever. That's how you know your salvation is secure. That's how you know it. Amen? Will, hallelujah. So now let me read these verses. Romans 8, 1 to 2 in the Weiss translation. Oh my gosh, I did it. Did you get it? Was I too fast? If yes, podcast. All right, because I know I can go too fast, but I'm really excited. But the important thing is, is do you see why it's so important for us to preach the finished work of the cross, which includes both his death and his resurrection? I, I love our name, new life. New life, why? Because that's what God can do. Okay, Romans 8, 1, 2. We're translation. Therefore now, there is not even one bit of condemnation. <laughs> Uy, soprano. Therefore, now there's not even one bit of condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit, that of the life in Christ Jesus freed you once for all from the law of the sinful nature and of death. <sighs> Once for all. Makit balahibo ko promise. Hallelujah. John 10.10 10 in the Amplified. The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came, Jesus said, that they may have and what? Enjoy life and what? Have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. God wants us to just be focused on this life knowing, yes, hallelujah, God loves me. There is nothing between me and God. I can go boldly to him in my time of need, hallelujah. When is your time of need? Your time of need is when you fall, is when you miss the mark, right? That's your time of need, right? And you cannot be thinking, does God still love me? Maybe he's still remembering what I did. No, no, done, over, finished, hallelujah. Go boldly to your daddy. Hallelujah. John 8, John five twenty four, New Living Translation. I'll read it in the New Living, I'll read it in the Message, because I have time. Okay, I tell you the truth, New Living. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. Uh, You want it in message? The message is good. Okay, message Bible. Two more verses. Two more verses. John 5, 24 message. It's urgent that you listen carefully to this. Anyone here who believes what I am saying right now and aligns himself with the Father, who has in fact put me in charge, has at this very moment the real lasting life, and is no longer condemned to be an outsider. This person has taken a giant step from the world of the dead to the world of the living. (laughs) Glory, glory, glory. And you know what? And it is not just any kind of life. It is the God kind of life. It is life as God has it. It is the same life that Jesus had in him when he was walking on this earth. And if you read the Gospels, oh my goodness, you can see what he did with the life that was on the inside of him. It was the life that was on the inside of him that caused healing to flow from his body. It was the life on the inside of him that caused people to want to flock to him. Uh, How many of you know that it's not just about him walking the earth, but this is the resurrected Jesus. Who is seated at the right hand of the Father. That is the life that we have, amen. So when you talk about life, it's not that oh, yeah, I have life. No, no, understand that you have the life of God, the very breath of God, the DNA of God on the inside of you. Amen? Amen. Now, last, mess- and last verse. Hey, you can play now. <laughs> Before, don't play now. Come on, play. Did you get this? I didn't realize I was going to finish. No, did you understand? Question and answer. Hallelujah. Look at First uh, 1 Corinthians 1557 message. Okay. Seriously, after this, right? First 1 Corinthians 1557 message Bible. But now, in a single victorious stroke of life, all three: sin, guilt, death, are gone. The gift, the gift, a gift not worked for, not earned. The gift of our master, Jesus Christ. Thank God. Let's give glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your life. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Thank you for your death. Thank you for your death that took away sin forever, that took away our guilt forever. And we thank you for your resurrection that now gives us real life that we can enjoy and we can express that we can express to others that we can tell people about that we are here as a channel of God to be able to meet the needs of people by the grace of God we have that life on the inside of us that we can bring to the world a message of love and hope and forgiveness and life We thank you for it, Lord. We praise you. We give you glory in Jesus' name. And all God's people who are alive say amen and amen, 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 amen.
0: Awesome. Awesome. How many of you have life today? Well, not everyone? That's okay. We're going to give you an opportunity to receive life today. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. What Jesus offers in this place is life. And maybe your life has felt like you always hit a dead end. And you're thinking, there's got to be more to this than what I'm experiencing. There is more. There is so much more than you could ever imagine or dream. But it can only be found in Christ. And when Christ comes in, he gives you life the way he has it. And the way he has it is forevermore. It's eternal. And it's good and it's blessed, and it's favored. So if you're in this place today, in Cinema 7 or downstairs in the Life Center, I'm going to ask you to be bold. Be bold to receive what God is freely giving to you today. If you would like to receive this life, if you would like to receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, then I'm going to ask you to quickly put up your hand. It's just a symbol of you saying, I want it. Because I don't have it. I want what he has. Is there anybody in this place today that would like to receive this life that he is giving to you? That he paid for and he's freely giving to you to receive. Thank you. Thank you so much for your hand. Anyone else? If you're downstairs, thank you. Thank you for that hand. If you're downstairs, there are people that are watching and they're seeing. But more importantly, God sees your hand because he knows the desire of your heart and you desire him. So congregation, this is what we're going to do. We're going to pray together. We're going to pray with the people that are here. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, then he comes in and he will now live his life through you. So let's pray together. Jesus, today I receive who you are. I receive your life on the inside of me. Today... I am alive. And because I'm alive, I can expect all the wonderful things that you've planned for me. I will experience from this day forward. Thank you that I am secure in your love for me. I am forgiven. And I have your life. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, follow us on social media or visit our website at newlifebefore.com.